So today is June 23rd, 2019. We've been in such a special season. We've gone from Passover towards Pentecost. What an extraordinary thing that is. During the season of Pentecost, we began looking not just at what the Lord might be giving to you, but what you were responsible to give to the Lord. Pentecost or Shavuot is really about a barley harvest. Man, there are so many amazing things that can be done with barley. One of my favorite things that can be done with barley is it's very possible to make scotch with it. Amen. You know, this particular scotch, which I don't get an endorsement for, is made from 50-year reserves. 50-year. That's uh, to have to grow something, to harvest something, to ferment something, to blend it, and hold it in reserve for 50 years. Man. We love that, don't we? Oh, yeah. Special reserves. I mean, I'm talking about your favorite fishing hole. The one you don't want to tell anybody else about. You know, I'm talking about when you've been in the Word and you got that special revelation. Oh, man. But you're not going to just waste it. I mean, you're waiting for the right moment to give that revelation. Oh, yeah. Am I, am I telling the truth? Come on. I'm talking about that special kind of gift. That you just, you want anticipation to build before you give it. That's why, that's why you hold something in reserve 50 years, isn't it? We love that. It feels good, doesn't it? To have something that you've longed for. And then on that special day, you get a chance to give it. Man, that's, that's, that's beautiful. Some people would say that's exquisite. Do you like to do those things? Say yes if you like to do those yes. things. You think that's a cool thing to have something amazing that you hold and then you give it at just the right moment? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Let me tell you why it's satanic. It's totally wrong. We never hold something in reserve for 50 years that is needed today. We can't do that. This scotch, it's not precious. Until it's consumed. That's oh, what yeah, precious. that's a good word. The point is that we build it and give it away. The point is that we shave it off and watch God make it grow again. Oh, come on now. The point is that new growth comes from holding nothing in reserve. Our scripture today was John 13, 1 in your bulletin. It was just before Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Come on, that's not holding something in reserve. In 1 John 4, in verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world. That we might have life through Him. This is love. Not that we loved Him, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice. You know when a sacrifice is beautiful? It's beautiful at the moment that it's given. Boja Regina. 
I think that this probably is a gift for an elder. Can I give you? I don't want to hold in reserve something that could be used today. Yeah? Jesus Christ never held anything in reserve that could be used right now. Amen? Amen. LCM, our message today is called No Reserve. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say no reserve. No reserve. Turn with us to First Chronicles chapter 29. First Chronicles chapter 29, and we're going to start in verse 16. Say there when you are there. Amen. First Chronicles chapter 29 verse 16 says this. O Lord, our God, is for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name. It comes from your hand and it all belongs to you. Wow, what a great perspective for us to have about anything in our life. It all belongs to him. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here. Somebody say who are here. Who are here. Have given to you. Church, this has been an absolute amazing season. And it's been a pretty incredible week for LCM. As a church, we've been stretching out in every direction. Supporting our international pastors and their ministries there on the ground. Doing our part to seriously support the One Association of Churches. Reaching out to fulfill mission trips. Watching our best and brightest get married. Striving to be a corporate family that is as faithful, as sacrificial, and as bold as what we expect you to be as individuals. Yeah. And in doing so, we have emptied ourselves of our resources to the tune of being short about one month's uh, income. Not mismanagement, but bold, life-changing faith. Amen. Last Sunday, we had a sermon entitled Zero Faith. Your response was absolutely incredible. Amen. It was a service for the ages. He's right. In one Sunday with cash and checks, electronic deposits, as well as pledges, you joined us in a sacrifice and in having a faith that takes us all down to zero. This is what we've been living as a church is we're going to give it all. We don't keep reserve. Your pastors don't make more money. When we get more money, we give more money. That's what we do. In one week, you gave three months worth of support in one single week to this church. We need to glorify God for that. You not only provided three months worth of income in a week, but you gave us enough that we're going to be able to accomplish everything that the Lord has thusly told us and in every way possible where we're going to be able to go where we need to go as a church and as a one association. We're going to be able to reach every family that we're supposed to reach. And that is a glorious and triumphant day. And I want to tell you as your pastors, we're very proud of you. This is an incredible time at LCM. LCM is being built on the sacrifice of every single person, not the generosity of one contributing donor. It takes every single one of us to step into this realm of having no reserve. Let's start looking at this in Mark chapter chapter 12, verse 43. Say no reserve when you're there. Yes, yeah, just because you're sitting in different places today, just just because you're all scattered around a little bit today, you're not used to having your pew buddies next to you. 
Hey, this is going to be, this is something that uh, we need y'all to connect with us. Come on, pew buddies. Yeah, you, Come on now. Y'all don't know that we secretly labeled each side of the sanctuary. One, I guess we may call sheep and the other goats. But that's still to be determined based on how you respond to the message. We'll see. <laughs> I think I see all sheep sitting in the house of God today. Yes, we do. Mark 12, verse 43. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. We know this from growing up in Sunday school. It's the widow's might. In it, Jesus' description was that she put more into the treasury than every other person. It was out of her poverty. What we have experienced as a church... It's not someone emptying a single bank account that they had in reserve with a slush fund praying about what to do with it. Instead, we had a church full of people who gave out of their poverty even the very thing that they needed to go get gas or buy food that very day. We have an amazing church that is built on the foundation of matching this widow's might and able to contribute to the treasury of heaven an abundance of faith that outweighs any amount of gold that the earth could ever produce. She had left herself with absolutely no reserve. This is the life that she lived and let us live up to the standard that even a widow could match. Amen. Come on, this is the type of lifestyle that we at LCM are not only aspiring to live to, this is what we're going to do and what we're going to accomplish in this place. But it's more than finances. For some of us, that's the easiest part. We're comfortable with writing the check. What the Lord is asking of us is something much more. We're going to see the examples throughout the entirety of the scripture in a crushingly incredible, jaw-droppingly awesome kind of way. We're going to see what the Lord is requiring of us, and He is going to help us to accomplish today. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Come on, you know it's about to get good if we're in Hebrews 11. It's going to get good now. We could just just find it any spot, and we're going to find something good. Turn on that AC because the fire's coming. Fire! Hebrews 11. Let's look at verse 24. Hebrews 11, 24 says this, By faith, Moses... When he had grown up, we got, we got to be grown up in this place. When he had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value. Somebody in the house say greater value. Greater value. Wow regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than all the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Yes, indeed. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Yeah. A no-reserve kind of lifestyle allows you to see that which is invisible. Amen. Moses left prestige. He left anything about his identity. The very thing that was supposed to be defining him, that he was educated in the finest universities, that he was actually the son of Pharaoh's daughter from their perspective. He said, I'm leaving it all. I have no reserve. He chose to be mistreated. He chose to suffer. Come on, if you missed this past Wednesday night service, look, if you're only here on Sundays, you're missing a lot of what this church has to offer. 
On Wednesday night, we had an incredible message from Justin Treister, Nick Aragina, and Judah Stevens. It was called Building the Name Part 2. If you haven't listened to it two or three times yet, get on the ball, man. Have no reserve and listen to that. Because what they talked about was choosing to suffer that we might bring glory to the name of God. Moses counted disgrace for Christ's sake of a greater value than all the treasures of the most dominant nation on the planet. That is no reserve kind of faith. He was looking ahead. This man had no reserve about him. No part of Moses' heart stayed left behind in Egypt. Not in any way, not at any time. Let's carry that forward to Joshua chapter 6, starting here, verse 4. There you go, call it out. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up, every man straight in. Joshua's mind contained a battle plan. And it was one that was directed to a no-reserve heavenly orchestration. Amen. That at that trumpet sound, walls would come falling down. How many of us have battle plans, though, that don't come from that heavenly orchestration? You know, we need to learn and look at Joshua's lifestyle. He had been raised next to Moses, watching and and imitating a way of life that was in constant dependence on the will of God to be displayed to his own mind. It would direct exactly every thought that he was to have. And now stepping into Jericho, he was able to confidently put his feet forward. And just with ram's horns and the shout of men's voices, he would see the very first conquest of the promise that was made even to Abraham. It was here that he had a no reserve mentality. And he was able to join with the forces in the heavenly realms that the power of God would pour out as he emptied his mind out of his own plan. Hey, man, speaking of those heavenly forces, turn with us to Second Kings chapter six. Second Kings chapter six. We're going to start in verse 15. Second Kings six fifteen. See, we want you to turn to we could put these on the screen for you, but we want you to have your weaponry in your own hand. The sword of the Spirit of God, His Word right there that you are engaging with because we want you to see how obvious this message is. We want you to see how it pertains to every chapter of every book, of every book in the entire Bible. This is what we're after today. In 2 Kings chapter 6, let's look at Elisha. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Somebody say, "Uh uh-oh. Uh oh. Oh my Lord, what shall we do? What? I love the word. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I've ever seen an army with chariots and horses surrounding a city, but I know that I've cried out, Oh my Lord, what am I going to do? Oh, yeah. oh my Lord, what is happening here? This is what the servant asked. In verse 16, Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Come on, that has to be our mentality. Look at verse 17. And Elisha prayed, Oh Lord, open up this man's eyes. Open up his eyes so that he can see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes. And he looked and he saw the hills full of horses 
and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Man, what are we talking about today? We're talking about a man and the servant of Elisha who was full of fear. He's, his emotions were out of control. Anybody ever been there? Any, anybody been there this last week after you gave your all and trying to figure out? Anybody been hit with some fears that are there? When your emotions get out of control. But the emotions of the servant were causing a serious problem. He began to doubt the God of Israel. But the man of God had a no reserve kind of attitude. The man of God here, Elisha, had a no reserve emotion about him. And he was able to see into the spirit realm. Trusting in the victory that God was going to provide. Do you know what we have when we encounter with prophecies and worship in our, in our church service? Do you realize what a prophecy is? It's people whose hearts, whose minds, whose strength is directed towards the Lord, and they are able to see into the heavenly realms for just a minute. You're able to look around, and I know it may look this way, but I'm telling you, there is a whole chariots of fire. There are horses and chariots of fire that are surrounding us, and those who are with us are more than they are with with the world. This is what we have in a no-reserve kind of attitude. We've seen this, that God will illuminate the heavens to you when you have a no-reserve attitude. He will illuminate the victories that are in store for you, regardless of the powers of the enemy that you may be seeing in the natural. This is a no-reserve kind of faith. I know this may seldom happen to you, but emotions can get ahead of your spirit sometimes. And when it does, it's like cataracts over your eyes. You can't see clearly, just like the servant here. But what's the solution, right? We need to go grovel on our face a little bit more and hopefully grind off the cataracts. Maybe not. Maybe the solution is the person sitting on your right, sitting on your left. Maybe it's that man or woman of God that has that right perspective. And they can speak that life-giving word that cuts away the cataracts of your emotional state. And give you right perspective and be able to join that no-reserve mentality that they have. They can let your passion rise up and join the very orchestra of heaven and watching his provision come through his armies. Rise up. That's right. First Samuel chapter 17. Let's go there. No reserve. We'll start in verse 40. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approach the Philistine. It takes a determination to be able to face giants. Yep. You know, growing up, and even from time to time now, I have these images in my mind of facing uh, some kind of great obstacle, like a battle scene, right? There's a giant standing in front of me. And the thought is that Our arms will go out, my fist will hit him here, my leg will kick him there. But what happens when we actually are standing there in that day? It takes a will like the will of David, a no reserve kind of will. You know what the first thing that man's strength tried to do is put on him an armor that would fit a king, but an earthly king. David was in it. He was humble. He was willing to give it a try. He was willing. But after he began to move around in it, it wasn't the same armor that God had been training him with for so many years as a shepherd. Yeah. So he took off that earthly, kingly armor and he set it aside. He put on that attitude of having a no reserve heart, a no reserve will. And he went to the stream to pick up five smooth stones because Goliath had four other brothers that needed killing too. He took up that sling 
And he walked right into the battleground, being able to face those giants, just like you and I do every time that we throw off our own strength and we put on the iron will of God that is based on the no reserve issue or no reserve foundation. And we go toe to toe with that very thing that we've been trembling in front of for so many years. This morning, we're going to continue to build on the foundation of God's name being made great in this church. Yeah. On the lives of men and women in this congregation that are standing up to giants. And here's the best part. Collectively, we're watching them fall one by one. Amen. Amen. Man, what an encouraging word. Folks, we're not just talking about something that is only for our day and time. You realize that we're looking back about uh, upon these great men that were thousands of years before, but because of the no reserve kind of faith that they have, we are still being inspired by it. What about us today? Who is intended to be inspired by your actions of having no reserve kind of, kind of faith in the Lord? Who else needs to come forth that sees Assad in a building, that sees an Abimbola, that sees a Ray Ludwigson and says, that's the kind of man that I want to be. They are no reserve men and I can join them. Turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And we're going to look at verse 13. Say no reserve. No reserve. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 13 it says this. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones. Wait a minute. If you've got your wife and your children... And your little ones. The little babies. Do you know why that the scripture does this here? I was thinking about it. I said, if you've already said children, does that, wouldn't that include the little ones? See, the word of God is trying to make sure that you understood that King Jehoshaphat and all the men of Judah, they had their wives, they had their children, including the little ones. They stood there before the Lord. You know what that means? They had nothing in reserve. They didn't leave the wife and the kids They didn't leave a servant with the little baby at the house. They got them all out there. Every person in Judah said, we have got to go stand before the Lord. Even the little ones. Man, that is a no reserve kind of life that is being lived here. He's standing before the armies of the enemies of God. The Ammonites, the Moabites. He is standing there before them. And he's like, let's circle everybody up. You know, sometimes you mean everybody, but you don't actually mean everybody. Right. We kind of mean everybody that's here, but if they're not here, that King Jehoshaphat said, get everybody. There are no reserves. We're leaving no one behind. It's not just the soldiers standing there, people. It's all the men of Judah. It's not just the men of Judah. It's their wives and the children and the little ones. In other words, there was no L7 available to them. (laughs) There's nobody back at the house that was even worth mentioning. These men had no reserve. And you know what the Lord did? They came before the Lord with no reserve and said, uh, it's all on the line, God. You either have to help us or we expire. And what happened is the song that we like to sing about in this church is that the men of Judah rose up and they actually won the battle because God said, this is no longer your fight. You thought this was your fight. I'm telling you because you've come to me with no reserve. It's not your fight anymore. I'm going to fight for you. What you have to do is keep worshiping me with no reserve. You keep coming to me with no reserve and the God of all creation will fight for you. It says that the Lord set ambushes. Plural. The Lord himself, I don't know why he did it in a plural way, just to show he could. 
But it's because they had a no reserve life. They had a no reserve attitude. They had a no reserve faith that caused them to come before and the God of creation fought for them. What about us today? Come on, let's bring our wives and our children and the little ones. And let's see what the Lord might do on our behalf. In light of that, this past Wednesday, Justin Treister, Nick Aragina, Judah Stevens preached an incredible, a fantastic word called Building the Name Part 2. In this, they began to explain the heritage and the generations that went from Abraham down to Isaac, as illustrated in Genesis 22. We have a responsibility to carry on that name, that reputation, that character, that body of work that began so long ago in Abraham and is now still alive in every single one of us as we have a no reserve heart and mentality. Let's look at this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. Let's get it. Say no reserve when you're there. By faith. Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Show of hands. How many of you guys in this room have received a promise from God of something to come in the future? Amen. That's every single hand in the room. When you received it from God, it was powerful. It was vivid. It's something that you're still holding on to and true. Is the God who promised it able to fulfill it in the future? Yes. We continue to read. Verse 18, even though God has said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he received Isaac back from death. God gives us initial vision. He gives us his plan of what the promise is and how it's supposed to come forward. But I know from my own experience and probably from yours too, he doesn't give you every detail of how that plan is going to go out. In fact, during the entire time that you possess that promise, it is something that you nurture, you cultivate, you even guard and protect it from every varying thought that wants to kill it and tell you it's really not true. But it gets to a point where your possession of it can have such a tight grip that when God asks you to do something that is contrary to that promise, you now have to step into that next level of a no-reserve mentality. You have to make up in your mind that this is the same God speaking to me now that spoke to me then of the promises that were to come true. And I'm going to trust that even if I act in obedience to what he's telling me now, and the promise is dead, it has no chance of coming alive. He is the God who resurrects promises. Amen. Amen. God's plan required an emptying of Abraham's plan so that he could take up and be filled up with a no reserve faith and expect resurrection power to fill his promises. What we're rallying our hearts, our minds, and our souls, and our strength around this morning is that we serve a God who is full of resurrection power. But it first requires us to be emptied of our vision, our plan, and our promises that we made to ourselves. And when we do, let's open up our hearts. Let's open up our lives and expect the raining down of his resurrection power. That is amazing. I mean, are you hearing what pastor's giving you today? 
the, this idea that the resurrection power of God is upon us. See, when you have yet to receive the promise, what do you do? You're longing. You're, re- you've, you're willing to leave away, to put away everything that you might receive His promise. But when you've received a promise, what happens? You have to have the same no reserve kind of attitude so that that thing may not become idolatrous to you, but that you may be able to walk and continue in what the Lord has done. God, lest you get satisfied and just decide to build, uh, build some comfortable places around you and kind of settle because that was an amazing promise and God is good. But is that all that he has for us? Is that how we're going to reach the generations? Is that how we're going to reach the nations? The way we're going to reach the nations and the generation is through constantly keeping a no reserve kind of attitude. Yeah, that's a good word. What happens when someone doesn't do that? In Genesis 19 in verse 26, let me, let me just read this verse to you. It's a short verse. It says, but Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Now what had happened to Lot's wife? They had already left Sodom. They had already made it out, boy. They received the promise that God was going to deliver. See, her feet were in a place of deliverance, just like ours. What has God set you free from? Goodness, we can spend the next few hours together just testifying of what the Lord has done just in 2019, much less for the rest of our lives. See, but her feet were in deliverance, but her heart was in reserve somewhere in Sodom. The reserve for longings, the longings for comfort, for security. Going in the right direction, but having longings for something else. Having longings for the bondage that you were in, but your feet are walking in the right direction. (laughs) Anybody ever started going in the right direction? And the truth is, is your emotions were somewhere behind you. Yeah. You were starting to go in the right directions, but your thoughts still sounded a whole like when you were back in bondage. I'm doing the right thing now, but there is still a reservation that I have in my heart. The truth is, is God holds almost nothing in reserve and he expects us to have no reserve in, in the way that we encounter him. What the Lord is going to help us do today. I mean, with every man and every woman in this room. In more than just a financial way, he is teaching us as a church. He is teaching us as a church how to have no reserve. Come on. We're so glad that this church is walking in the right direction. We have left the bondage of Sodom, but we still have to make sure that we have no reserve lest we be frozen in time because we have a heart that looks back in reservation. God is going to help us today. He is going to help you. He is going to help us. He is going to help us collectively that we may have no reserve in this place. Help us, Lord. Pastor is hitting on a very good point. In that... It's an evaluation of where our feet are headed, but where our heart is maintaining. What is it holding on to? You know, in the same way that Lot's wife became a pillar of salt, the call this morning is to repent 
Repent and let go of anything that your heart is clinging to, because otherwise there will come a day when there is judgment, and that your heart will become that same pillar of salt. It will become fixed in the land that God's told you not to be. I want my heart broken up. I want my heart cut and torn like in the book of Acts. Yes, every day. I want any area of idolatry to be crushed and be able to follow the feet of faith that are in motion. Every single day. We, We have an amazing church. You guys are an amazing church. And that last week's response, this week's response in so many areas, has been your feet moving in the right direction. But like a man of God once told me, don't dig up and doubt what you've sown in faith. Instead, shower upon those seeds of faith in every area of obedience with a trust that though you are giving up everything in reserve, He is the God who has no limitations and can meet every need that you have mentally, physically, or emotionally. Amen. Now, I can't help but pass up. I have four daughters. And I see in this passage... The longings in the heart of a woman. And that is a God-given gift of wanting to nest and make a home. Provide an atmosphere that is welcoming, inviting for the king to come home and feel like he's entered into his castle. For the children to be provided for and nurtured. These are right things. Ladies, hold on to that. Cultivate it. But cultivate it in the right direction. Cultivated wherever God has placed you. That's where he's designed you to nest. That's where he's designed you to cultivate. And the minute that he says, let go it, let go of it. Because he's going to make you into a house somewhere else. Amen. He's going to make you that homemaker that provides life everywhere you go somewhere else. You will never cease to be who you are. Because no matter where you put your feet, like Abraham... You will follow his footsteps of faith and produce righteous fruit no matter where you go. Amen. Good word. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 2 and look at a woman of God who did this very thing. I want my girls. I want the female lineage of this church to reflect the faith of this woman of God we're about to look at. But Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. Each year, his mother made him a little robe, a tea robe, -robe. (laughs) and took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. It must have been from Louisiana. Because they had a little robe for a tea boy. Oh, my gosh. Down the body. Man, shy, he's so cute. Not by yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children by this woman to take the place of the one she prayed for and gave to the Lord. Then she would go home, and the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Yeah. Three sons and two daughters. Yeah. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. What I see in this as a father and a husband, I see the fulfillment and the fear of every mother's heart. The fear is that if I give all, if I leave nothing in reserve, will God actually take care of my children? Will he provide for them? 
Isn't it the fulfillment beyond expectations that he grew up in the house of God, but more important than that, in the very presence of God? He was wearing more than just a linen ephod or a little tea robe. He was wearing the presence of the living God all around him. And he grew up to be a mighty man of God that would be the prophet to the nation of Israel and help bring about shalom, right order, and justice to the nation. Ladies, isn't this what you hope your children grow up to be? Earth shakers, yeah. kingdom makers. Come on. I can't think of any more. Pastor Wade would have to help me. <laughs> but I'm sure they're out there. You're going to do something. But every mother wants their child to do something great for God. Hold on to that aspiration, but also follow in the same footsteps of faith that Anna had. What this illustrates is that struggle, a struggle of desiring to do something so much longing to do something great. And then immediately when there's resistance, you give up. Cassidy and I, we became pregnant within eight months of being married. We were excited. And within a month and a half, we had a miscarriage. It was there that I learned the depths of what grieving looks like. It's not grieving over a loss of finances. It's not grieving over a loss of possessions. It's grieving over a loss of life. But you know what I also found there? I found there the opportunity to have no reserve. I found there the opportunity to continue to pursue God no matter how many times we failed. We continued on knowing that God called us to be parents. We weren't going to give up. We were going to have children and we would have an abundance of children. That my wife would be like an old weed eater that I would get started and once it was, it would never stop in the name of Jesus. The devil tried to hit that quick kill switch. You know what my wife did? She went, she kept going in the name of Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yes. Join me in that pressure way to alleviate the awkwardness. But I still mean it. See, this is why we're friends, because I have no idea how to come out of that. The whole point of the matter is that life was coming forward from Hannah well after she gave birth. But this also illustrates another aspect of Hannah's life. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Everybody's full of joy in the Holy Ghost. We're going to prosper this year. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I'm glad these are recorded. Yes. Just telling myself 50 years from now. This is great. Okay. Amen. Pastor, how about we do this? What Pastor's point is about about family. Uh, I want to take it a little bit different direction here for a second. We had... Y'all got, come on, help a brother out. See, it's not as easy as it looks. You got to help me out. You got (laughs) So I'm thinking back even just to to yesterday afternoon. We're at the reception for Justin and and Larissa's wedding. See, what happens is is when you have a a godly desire like Hannah and you're willing to have a no-reserve lifestyle that you live, 
See, what Hannah got was five children besides the one that she gave to the Lord. She got six children. See, I think back yesterday in a moment, uh, there were a lot of beautiful moments. I thought Pastor Eric did an incredible job on the, on the sermon. There were so many beautiful moments. One of the moments that I'll remember for the rest of my life was when I had the privilege of stepping up to dance with Larissa. I sobbed. I wept as I was sitting there dancing with Larissa. But what you should have seen was a young lady who's given her all to the Lord, who has no father to speak of, who has no family that would be here and support her. And what did she have in response? She had more fathers than we had enough time for her to dance yeah. with. Yeah, she did. Do you see what happens in our lives is we're worried that we're not going to have, and so we try to hold in reserve. That is not how the kingdom of God is built. That is not how you find victory. You do not find victory by holding in reserve. What you do is you find victory by giving it all. And not just one time. You give it all, and then you give it all again, and then you give it all again, holding nothing in reserve. And then what happens? The very thing that she could have been afraid of is, I don't have a family. But see, the Word of God says that the Lord sets the lonely in families. And when you have no reserve, that is the best kind of family to have, is a family of people who have no reserve. And then what happens? She has fathers like Elder Charlie. What an honor that is for little Larissa. She has fathers like Elder Bosch. She has fathers like Pastor Eric. She has more fathers and of the most noble kind that you could ever hope to have in a family. And this is a beautiful picture when you have no reserve. But what about somebody else? Hannah made a vow, made a pledge to the Lord, and she kept it. What about people who haven't made, or they've made a vow to the Lord, but then they don't keep it? Turn to Acts chapter 5 with us. Acts chapter 5 and verse 3. It says this. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart? See, you're good. You're, you're Bible scholars here. You understand where this story is going already. But I don't want you to miss what we're talking about here. Hannah made a pledge, but so did Ananias and Sapphira. See, Hannah made a pledge with her life. Hannah made a pledge with her children. It wasn't just a check. See, these guys were just a check, but we see that it's more than money, isn't it? Because we understand, how has Satan so filled your heart? How is it that you can have reserve when you're coming into the house of the Lord? How is it that you can live with reserve and be okay with that in the house of God? The men of God here say, this is that Satan has filled your heart. That you have lied to the Holy Spirit and that you have kept for yourself some of the money that you received from the land. See, pastor, it's not really that big of a deal. I mean, I mean... I'm just being reasonable. I mean, we gave our finances last week. Yeah, this church, that's the first, the one and only time that we've ever mentioned finances like that from the stage. One time. Truth is, is that might be the only time we ever do it. But what we are after constantly is you having a no-reserve life. That you will not be keeping things for yourself. See, what if God is not measuring about how much you gave last week, but about how much you kept? 
What if you went to zero in your finances, but you still have a giant reserve in your emotions? What if you still have a giant reservation in your comfort? What if you have a giant reservation in these areas? And the Lord is saying, yeah, what do you have back there? Boy, you can give it in this area. Oh, hey, let's look over here. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Let's look what I gave. Yeah, we are looking at what you gave. Because this is what the Lord is demanding of all of us. Yeah. It's more than money. It was about wanting to look like they had a no reserve attitude without having a no reserve attitude. They were saying, look, we have no reserve. Aren't we awesome like the people that we've seen over here? Didn't other men of God do this? Let's replicate what we saw in them. But they had reserve. Listen to it. Satan has so filled your heart. They lied to the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they kept something for themselves. My God, we're not trying to stir you up for more money. We want your lives here in this place. We want you to reach the generations. We want you to reach the nations. And we can. We can. God has promised it. Did you hear the prophecies today? God said that He is with us and He will cause His good will to be done in us. It's not going to be that our names will be lifted high. It's going to be that His name is lifted high. It's not going to be that LCM has a a lasting legacy that people know about. What we're going to do is we're going to impact the world and hope that our name is never remembered. That's living with a no reserve kind of attitude. God holds almost nothing in reserve and He expects us to have nothing in reserve. Not just the appearance of having no reserve. Mm. Speaking of appearances, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 15. We'll start in verse 17. Samuel said, Although you were once small in your own eyes. Did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. You know, when he's speaking to Saul and says, once you were small, he's also saying, once you had no reserve. You know, what we see is that in our own lives, the times that we find God's greatest levels of affirmation or when we're emptied of our own value. We're emptied of our own strength, our own prowess. And we're completely dependent on what God can do next and will do next. We're living in that life of no reserve. You ever wondered sometimes in reading about the disciples why God chose such young men? It's because these men were starting at a place of no reserve. And if there was any element of self-exaltation, he would immediately allow them to be humbled to return back to that place of no reserve. Verse 18, and he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Make war on them until you have wiped them out. Does that sound like a clear directive? Yes. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? Saul's self-exaltation brought him to the point to begin to reserve the best for himself. 
but having completed a certain amount to make his conscience feel good about completing the mission. I've been obedient up to this point. This is exactly like Pastor Wade was saying earlier. You're able to be obedient in all these other areas, but what's that one you find yourself turning and hiding from everyone else? Is it emotions? Is it finances? Is it time? Is it some expectation in the future? You know, our hearts, when it has areas of idolatry, it will shift into place to guard that level of idolatry. But God's word is designed to cut right through your heart and to carve out that idolatry so that we don't fall under the same judgment as Saul did. Because the proclamation was, you have done evil in God's sight. Even though he was 99% obedient, he reserved the best for himself and did not completely obey the word of God. He didn't go to that place of being in no reserve. But we're going to study about some men of God who did. Turn with us to 1 Samuel chapter 16. See, this is the great part of being at LCM. I mean, this is, I, I don't know if you've ever been in, in kind of a golden season somewhere on a job and everything. It's kind of the, the, the glory days of that job place. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like this, but we are in some fantastic days here at LCM. Yeah. See, we are building a church of people who have no reserve. See, the reason that we're doing this today is because we want to hunt for it. We're going to hunt for every little bit of reservation that you have. Every bit that you still have tucked away. Oh, it wasn't in that category, but it is over here. We're trying to find everything so that you might actually, uh, let's just say it this way, that we might actually accomplish all that God has for us. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 11, look at this very familiar passage. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons that you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. This is at David's uh, coronation here, his, his ordination to become king over all of Israel. You know the story. He comes to Jesse and he says, hey, bring all your sons that we might consecrate them because I'm here to do something for the Lord. And I have myself, in fact, preached this many times, the idea that, man, he forgot David out there in the field somewhere. I mean... How, how, how terrible is it to be forgotten about? I thought about it in a different way today. What if it wasn't that uh, he forgot about David out in the field? What if it's that he had David in reserve? What if he was so fond of David because he didn't know what Samuel was there to do? See, we know the story, know that Samuel was there to anoint a king over Israel. Jesse didn't know that. What if the man of God had come to bring judgment upon his household? What if he was saving David off to the side because he cared about David? What if David was actually in reserve? Isn't this what Jacob did with Benjamin in Genesis? Isn't this exactly the story of Jacob and Benjamin? That, that he didn't want to send Benjamin with the sons, although the family was about to starve to death. Nah, we could do a lot. Let's keep Benjamin back. But what happened? It wasn't until Benjamin, the one held in reserve, was actually put at risk. 
It was actually only when Benjamin was no longer in reserve, but actually made it to the playing field. Oh, see, it gets even better than that. It's not just that he got provision when he made it to the playing field. It was a double portion when he made it to the playing field. See, those things, see, you think you're doing better by keeping it in reserve. We're only being reasonable, Pastor. I mean, come on. You really mean all? I mean, you really mean I can't have anything in reserve? That's exactly what I mean. See, because you think that you can provide for yourself better by keeping something in reserve than God can provide for you by you playing it on the field. What if you keeping it in reserve is stopping a double portion of God's Spirit in your life? What if you thinking that you're doing it right is actually getting in God's way of trying to bless you more? Trying to use you more. Trying to speak to you more. Man, we're not talking about money. We're talking about what you're keeping in reserve. Man, I want to give everything that the Lord might give me the double portion. That I don't even know is coming. I'm not even asking for the double portion. Lord, this is what I need. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I got that and so much more for you. But you got to keep a no reserve attitude. Let's look at this in Judges chapter 20. Verse 26. Is this blessing your hearts this morning? Is it strengthening your souls? Is it encouraging your spirits? Amen. Then the Israelites, all the people, went up to Bethel. And there they sat weeping before the Lord. They fasted that day until evening and presented burnt offerings and fellowship offerings to the Lord. You know, several services, I watched some of you guys walk through the doors. You're heavy laden, you're downcast, you got your tail dragging behind you, tucked underneath you. You just had a whooping kind of day. Whatever it was, you walked in beat up and discouraged. And it might have been the first or maybe even the second time that you tried to overcome a clear objective that God told you to to conquer. What I mean is, in parallel to what we see here in, in Judges, is that Israel went to war and they lost twice in a row. They lost thousands of men. They were discouraged. They wanted to get near to God and find out what is the real problem here. But you know what? God was going to encourage them to have a no reserve mentality. He's going to encourage them to have a state of relinquishing all. And that's all their strength in order to be obedient to what he told them. Verse 27, and the Israelites inquired of the Lord. In those days, the Ark of the Covenant of God was there with Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, ministering before it. They asked, shall we go up again to battle with, who is that? The Benjamites. Benjamin, our brother or not. In similar fashion, in Genesis, what we just read, there's a battle of Benjamin going on. The first one in Genesis was the temptation to reserve Benjamin for themselves. In this case, it was the temptation to reserve from going to battle with them all over again. Not only would it be the death of the Israelites, but it would also be the death of their brothers. You hear that in the very last sentence that we read. You know, when we begin to relinquish to the Lord the possession of our own strength, we then find the strength that's required to overcome the battles that are lie before us. 
Well, what is it like at work that next time that your boss berates you for no good reason whatsoever? That you put in all your strength and it's never good enough and there's trumped up charges against you. Maybe even being written up for something phony or false. And you have that inkling or maybe even that overwhelming feeling of, I don't want to go to work tomorrow. I would rather just stay home and seek God. No. You get on your feet. You tell yourself, the God that I serve requires from me a no-reserve lifestyle. And I'm going to get up out of bed, and I'm going to be obedient and overcome whatever lies before me. Pastor's talking to you about on those days where you feel defeated, and the Lord keeps instructing you to move forward. Whether defeat or victory, we have to learn to keep moving forward with no reserve. Look at 2 Kings chapter 13. We trust that this is blessing you because we, we know that we serve a good father. I want to tell you that I'm being blessed while I'm preaching this. Amen. That we were blessed while we were studying this this morning because we feel like this is the right direction for us and the Lord is declaring it in such a clear proclamation to us because he wants us to get it. Amen. I've been sometimes the one who did not get the joke, who was a little late to the party. But the Lord is making sure that every man and woman in this place can get this today so that we can do this today. Second Kings chapter 13, look at verse 16. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. When he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. My God, what that must have been like. An old prophet, close to death. Actually, he was sick of the disease that would later kill him in just a few verses. And this anointed, powerful man of God puts his hands on the hands of the king. Not just directing it with his words, but actually hands-on watching this thing take place. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory. The arrow of victory over Aram. Elisha declared, listen to this declaration. You will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. Wow! A prophecy of complete, total, convincing, crushing victory. Man, that's a good day. Man, that's like an LCM worship service right there. God is saying, I will be with you. I will help you. I will help you to crush the enemy completely. Man, it's one thing when you got a bad day and you're fighting the Benjamites and you're not sure whether you should keep going back. What's another thing? How you walk when you're like, yeah, we can do this thing. But look what it produces in the king of, in the king here. Lest we do the same thing. Then Elisha said, take the arrows. And the king took them. Elisha told him, strike the ground. Hit it on the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him. I believe it's the next verse that we're from where Elisha dies. This is the last thing we have recorded of the man of God. And he's saying he got mad at the king. The man of God was angry with him. You should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated a ram and completely destroyed it. But I thought you told me that I was already promised to completely defeat them. Do you mean that a no reserve attitude is required for us to fully receive the promises of God? 
wait, but he promised it, so we just get to sit back, right? We get to coast. We get to relax. He promised it, and what was demanded of him? So if you take that he struck the ground three times, and the man of God says you should have struck it five or six times. That means the king, by any amount of math, if I'm thinking correctly, the king gave 50 to 60% of what he should have. Let me say it a different way. That the king had in reserve 40 to 50% of what he had to give. But I gave the majority of what I had, Lord. I gave 51%. I gave 60%, Lord. Almost two out of every three did I give to you, Lord. And he said, yeah, but you should have given it all to me. You should have given me all of your desires. You should have given to me all of your trust. You should have given to me all of your faith. You should have given to me all of your suffering. That's what I wanted from you. And the man of God was rightfully angry with this king. Because if you put it in percentages, that was a pretty weak thing that he did. Even though he had the promise of victory. What victories have you been promised in this place today? What things has God spoken to you about you? About your wife? About the children that you have or the children that are to come? I think we still have 11 babies due to be born this year. With a couple already in, into January of next year. It's one thing to receive the promise of a child, but what are you going to be doing with that child? The Lord has promised us the generations. The Lord has promised us the nations. Then you better learn how to strike the ground with 100% of what you have. Yes. Leaving nothing in reserve. God holds almost nothing in reserve and He expects us to have no reserve in our attitude towards Him. Amen. Let's look at this in Hosea chapter 3, verse 1. The Lord said to me, Go. Show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. What a difficult thing this must have been for. Can you imagine being asked by the Lord to marry an adulteress, marry a prostitute? And if she ever asked him, do you love me? He had to say, yes, I love you as the Lord loves the Israelites. Instead of what he probably wanted to say was, I love you like I love a prostitute. But he was commanded by the living God to love an adulteress like the Lord loved the Israelite. This required him to love with no reserve. That God chose this man and his relationship with his wife to demonstrate his love for us. A love with no reserve. Pastor, that reminds me of Ephesians chapter 5. Amen. Ephesians 5.25, think about it. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Yeah. Husbands, this should make every husband. Don't let the familiarity of the passage take away the importance of the passage. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. No, the, reserve. no, no reserve, reserve kind of love. We've got to love like Hosea did. We've got to love 
like God has commanded us to do. Because we know that this is about the church in Christ. Don't let it forget us. Don't let it make us forget that this is actually about us as husbands actually loving our wives. Yes. Because this is the kind of no reserve love that Jesus Christ gave. I'm reminded of 1 John 3, verse 1. How great, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. Yeah. That we should be called the sons, the children of God. We have to have a love, we have to have a life that is no reserve. Let's look at this in Matthew chapter 26, verse 6. You see this demonstrated in a woman who comes to break an alabaster jar of oil over Jesus. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of a very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Come on. That is beautiful. This is what it looks like to love with no reserve. Man. To love like Hosea did Gomer. To love like breaking a jar. To love like breaking a bank. To love like breaking your back. This is almost, or it is, just like having a no reserve in the depths of your heart. Having a no reserve attitude in the depths of your soul. Having a no reserve attitude to the limits of your strength. Not sure that the woman was very different. But one had reserve and the other had no reserve. Gomer had reserve. This woman had no reserve. What do you need to break today? Is it breaking your heart that needs to happen? Is it a breaking of your soul, the breaking of your strength? Nothing, nothing in the kingdom of God is off limits. That because the God of all heaven loves us so much, he will allow there to be enough pressure that whatever needs to be broken, he will make sure it does. So that we can grow to the point of matching this woman's sacrifice of an alabaster jar. Amen. Guys, it's, we're at an hour and five minutes or so. This is usually where in a service where we get folks who are about that time to hit the restroom. I want you to stay with us for a few minutes. Yes. That we have no reserve because the Lord, as we speak to you about these last few verses that we have, this is an important piece. Let's all turn to Mark chapter 10. And let's look at verse 28 together. I know you can rely on the screen, but I'm asking you to turn in your Bible with us. Mark chapter 10 and verse 28. Mark 10, 28 says this. Peter said to him, we have left everything to follow you. Wow. Another way that we could say this is Peter said, we have got nothing in reserve, Lord. We've given it all to follow you. I tell you the truth, verse 29. Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and for the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, and with them, persecutions. Come on now. Lest you think it's just a, you give so that you can receive from the Lord. No. 
No, we give because it's our attitude and it's our pleasure to do so. It is our great honor to suffer. It is our great honor to seek to have a no-reserve life. In this age and an eternal life. Peter said he left everything. Lord, we've left everything to follow you. But this is not just for Peter. This is not just for the disciples. This is not just for the apostles. This is for every true believer. Every true believer has to start from the point that you have to leave everything to follow Him. You can't have any reserve even to make it into the kingdom. How much more for us to advance in the kingdom? How much more for us to grow in the kingdom? This is not for just the elect, the special few, but for every man and woman at LCM. This is for each one of us. We've left everything. We've broken our jars. We've broken our banks. We've even broken our backs through efforts to do and to serve the Lord. Now you've begun to live a life that's worth living. Just now you're crossing into something. Man, it could be a big thing to go, wow, really do I give everything? Yes. And you finally step into a life that is truly life. You're just at the portal of beginning. It's hard for us to think about that as a church because we've seen some incredible things. We've seen the dead raised. We've seen... We've seen the sick healed. We've seen some incredible things. Demon cast out. And the Lord is saying, but what about you today? What about you? We don't want people to look like they have no reserve. We want to all be people who are living with a no reserve kind of attitude. This is seen. I'm going to quote this scripture for you. It's very familiar. Revelation 12, 11. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. By the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink, shrink from death. Who is the they in this passage? It's you, saints. It's every single one of you sitting right here. It's not just something to uh, happen or occur in the future. But like Pastor Wade is saying, LCM has been built on a foundation of having no reserve. It's because the church of the living God everywhere is built in that same attitude yeah. of having no reserve. That's right. And that what we see even here proclaimed in Revelation, the key to success in the kingdom of God is to have a no reserve mentality, a no reserve lifestyle that fulfills every single one of these. And the most important part is that this is your identification. This is what the character of your name is to look like. We're not going to shrink from death. We're going to overcome in the name of Jesus. We're going to continue to see prosperity flow within this church by souls being saved. We're going to begin to see marriages continue to occur and even more babies. I hope that we have to build another size space just to hold all the children that are going to be birthed in LCM. Because do you remember the years that we spent facing the news again and again of a miscarriage or someone not being able to have a child? What we're standing in right now is the proclamation of victory that we put these very things into place. Amen. We've seen the blood of Jesus prosper this church in the name. Turn with us to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8. What is more? I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Come on, yeah. I've given it away. 
I have no reserve. I have lost all things. Not just a singular time, but a lifestyle of having lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Isn't this what our brothers preached on Wednesday night? Building the name. How do you build the name? You willingly engage in suffering. You willingly give all you have with no reserve that His name might be lifted high. Not just somewhere else, but His name might be lifted high inside of you, inside your world, inside of this place. We're looking to bring glory to His name by having no reserve. We're looking for the chance to break the bank again, to break the jar again, to break our back again. We are looking for that because that's what LCM does. We have a no reserve lifestyle. Not a single day, but a lifestyle of having no reserve. As we continue to come to a a close, I want to read to you out of John 12. There's a warning that we have to heed. John 12, 6 says, He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As the keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. This is Judas. And that when the woman broke the alabaster jar, his questioning was out of a wicked and evil intent. One that even Satan could eventually fill. That he was wanting to hold and reserve something for himself. It's almost like he had a private reserve. Something off to the side inside the secret little box. That no one knew about, no one could touch, and that he would occasionally help himself to. Wow. You know... When we become accustomed to helping ourselves to the things that God has entrusted to us, holding it in in private reserve, there's also a judgment that's being held in reserve for us as well. You know, God's kindness is extended. How long did Judas do this for? Three, three and a half years? That even Jesus knew about it. He could have called it out right then and there. And said, I see your sin. You need to repent, Judas. Stop it. Or you'll come to the point where you are hanging yourself in the field of blood. But God's mercy gave him ample space to repent. But he only made his judgment that much more secure. See, when we have a reserved idolatry, something in our life that we're not letting go of, We are putting ourselves in direct confrontation with the impending reserve judgment of God. And we have to turn our hearts away from it. You know, we've said it a few times today. Actually, I think I've said it five times today. God holds almost nothing in reserve. Yeah. The thing he does hold in reserve is judgment. Turn to Revelation chapter 18. Revelation chapter 18 and verse 6 says this. Give back to her as she has given. Mm. Pay her back double for what she has done. Mix her a double portion from her own cup. Give her as much torture and grief as the glory and luxury she kept for herself. See, when Benjamin was given... There was a double portion of blessing. 
because the man of God had no reserve. There was a double blessing. It is a wicked thing for us to hold things back to find comfort, glory, and luxury for ourselves. Pastor, that's a little harsh, isn't it? No, No, it's actually not harsh enough. See, we're in such a world that says, look, a little bit for yourself has to be okay. I mean, come on. Just a little bit of time. I mean, after all, you have worked hard today. Just a little bit of comfort. I mean, after all, you do deserve it. Just a little bit for yourself. I mean, come on, man. What's wrong with having just, I mean, compared to everyone else, aren't we doing great? I mean, we have, after all, beat the arrows on the ground at least three times. God is measuring us by how much we reserve as much as by how much we give. See, we have to be a church that has every man and woman as a no reserve kind of Christian. Consider what we've discussed today. Lot's wife, King Saul with Agag, Ananias and Sapphira, the king of Israel, Judas. What did all those people have in common? They all kept something in reserve. The overwhelming preponderance of Scripture shows us that when you keep something in reserve, you put yourself in serious danger of impending judgment. These are not the people we want to be identified with because God is with us. But if we're going to receive the good promises that He has, and He has made some incredible promises to this church. (laughs) At Justin Linton's bachelor party there were as many prophecies anointed worship as i've ever seen in one place at one time just for that man and his wife the children that are to come they had so many overwhelming prophecies that it would take us all day to try to even recount them and that's just one family in our church and we could say the same thing about so many of us in here if god is with us Don't you want to receive everything that He's promised us? Don't you want to get the complete victory? Not only in your day, but in the days and the times to come. In the generations and the nations. That we have to do this. And God has given us the answer today. He's made it so clear. There's no ambiguity in anything that we are saying. If you have reservation, it must stop now. The only acceptable solution to where we are and where we must go is to have no reservation. No reservation. That is the only standard that is acceptable to anyone in this room. Are you allowing yourself to have some other standard and be comfortable with it? No reservation. No reservation. No reservation because He is with us today. Let's rise to our feet. I love the hearts of the members of LCM, our church. You guys respond like no church I've ever seen before. I want to give you some clear instruction as we enter into worship and what we're going to do here at the altar. The aim and goal is to come down to the altar asking the Lord to reveal to you what is it you must do to rise up to the standard. That is to live a lifestyle of being in no reserve. Not a single event. And that once it's identified, we will crush it. We will put it to death. You will stand up and confidently 
pursue it. You'll live it out day by day by day. I want your hearts to be comforted after the time of the altar so that you have the ability and strength to live up to the same standard that we've laid out thoroughly through the word and that we're all spurring one another on to live every single day. So let's begin by lifting up our hands. Father, we thank you for setting for us a pattern, a standard for us to live by. When that is to worship you, to follow you, to be obedient to you with a no reserve walk, a no reserve heart, mind, soul, and strength. And it's to you that we give every single one of those things, not just today. But Lord, we're asking for your strength and revelation of how to carry it on tomorrow and for all the days of our life. We ask that your spirit come and reveal to us what stands between us and the standard of no reserve. And we ask it, therefore, reveal yourself to us, strengthen us by your spirit, fill us with your Holy Ghost, and wash us in your blood that we may stand blameless in your sight and filled with your strength. In the name of Jesus. Amen.